And in that book, it talks about a story about how some settlers were living on Quanah Parker's land and they came across, they came under attack by a vicious beast. Now, the funny thing is, this was in a history book. You know what I'm saying? The funny thing is, though, is that very same story, my grandma told me that very self-same story. Hey, what's good? It is time to focus, LBK. Welcome to the Focus LBK show. My name is Robert Jenkins. Usually I'm joined in Moon Mind Production Studio by my brother Cambrell Miller, but rain or shine responsibility is mine, meaning sometimes we grown men, we got to get out there and make it do what it do. And that's what Cam is out there doing right now. So y'all are stuck with my ugly mug today and Cam, we will see you next time, brother. Make it do what it do. <laughs> hold it down. You know what I'm saying? I say hold it down. <laughs> Man, as usual, we got a dope show for y'all. The first thing we're going to do is go over what's going on. You know, I'm going to run through these uh, announcements real quick because there's several events uh, taking place in the community that's going to be dope and they're going to be the place to be. You're going you're gonna to need to be there or be square. You know what I'm saying? So I'm going to run over those first. And then we're going to get into a little bit about ancestry, man, because uh, we got Black History Month coming up. You know what I'm saying? And it's only appropriate to talk about some historical findings that I have been um, becoming aware of in my family. And there's a neat little tie-in between uh, some real history that one of my relatives, uh, Tommy Parker, discovered and a, a story that my grandma used to pass down to us, uh, used to tell us about this mystical creature. And anyway, I just discovered some stuff this weekend and realized that the story she used to tell us that used to be all scary and all that. It's actually a real story. It's in a, it's written down in a book, almost word for word in a history book. But anyway, we ain't going to get into that just yet. First, LBK, we're going to talk about what's going on. What's going on? Oh, oh. <laughs> yeah, okay, okay. Y'all know I got the saying, and I know I can't sing, so I don't know why we go through this all the time. Here we go right here, man. We're going to start off this week. There's a lot of good things going on. Uh, it's so many good things going on. I'm going to have to say some of them off the top of my head because I just realized, or or y'all gonna bear, can, can bear with me. If y'all can bear with me, I, I'll look for the stuff on the phone. But anyway, uh, this Friday, February 2nd, my man Ricky Sherfield is putting on the Black Business Expo. It's a two-day extravaganza on the 2nd of February from 7 p.m. to 8.30 p.m. They're going to have the mixer. And yes, it is still on. It's going to be, I believe, at the Hilltop Cafe. Look down here. Y'all see the ad. So at the Hilltop Cafe over there on MLK by the light right across the street from Dunbar area right there. Y'all know what I'm talking about. Hilltop Cafe, right over there at 7 to 8.30. On February 2nd, they're going to have a mixer. So be there looking good with your, with your uh, game face on, ready to be social and mingle. You know what I'm saying? Because it's a business mixer, a uh, networking, uh, stronger together networking mixer is what I believe is technically called. Then the next day on February 3rd at May Simmons, 
at 12 to 4 p.m., they're going to have the actual Black Business Expo. And you know what that's going to be. You know how Mr. Sherfield do it. They, it's going to be vendors, I'm, I'm assuming. As far as I know, it's going to be vendors. It's going to be uh, opportunities to mix and mingle, make some purchases, have your business there, advertise. It's networking, baby. It's networking. Everybody know what it is. It's good. It's all good. So, man, y'all be there because we're going to almost certainly be there. Now, right after that, on the same day at the same location, they're going to have the Kwanzaa Celebration. It's actually an inaugural event and it's uh, put on. By Mr. Leon Williams, Mr. Will Green, and Mr. Sean Harris. These three brothers are some of the elders in the community. Are, are they elders? Y'all tell me. They don't, they don't act like they elders because they still young and spry and got all they mind. But they, I think they in that role as an elder. You know what I'm saying? I think they getting up to that level. Hmm. All this gray, I, I might be getting up to that level too. But I don't, I don't feel like an elder. So I don't know if they feel like elders either. Anyway. These brothers going to be putting on the Kwanzaa celebration. If you don't know too much about Kwanzaa, that's okay. It's not in competition with Christmas. It's, it's an African-based celebration. It was created by a black college professor back in the 70s, six, late 60s, early 70s, Malena Karanga. Um, and all it is is seven principles of life. The I think it's called the Kuji Chagalia. And we're going to talk about them principles. It's a learning opportunity. It's going to be... Uh, little vendors, it's going to be singing, it's going to be dancing, it's going to be spoken word by yours truly, it's going to, my brother Cam going to be on the program, um, man, the young lady that sung at the, the Christmas celebration going to be there, her name is escaping me, no it's not, it's Bagley, Miss Bagley going to be, she going to be, man, she going to be, you know she can blow, and it's some, it's another singer, she can blow, they can all sing, so I mean that right there is probably worth being there but you also get to learn a little bit about Kwanzaa, get to learn a little bit about our heritage. You know what I'm saying? So I think it's going to be a good evening. So be there or be square. Saturday, February 3rd, 2024. It's from 6 p.m. to 9 p.m. Doors open at 5 p.m. All are welcome. You ain't got to be black. You ain't got to be white. You ain't got to be brown. As long as you dine. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> okay, I know that was corny. But anyway... This show, I don't think, going to be corny. So come on out to that Kwanzaa celebration. Uh, there's another thing going on. If y'all can forgive me while I look through my electronics. Oh, there it go. March 9th. This is a little ways out. March 9th on Saturday, it's going to be a Street Hoops First Responders playoff game. Look like it's going to be First Responders, the HCSH versus the, that's the Hub City Street Hoops, by the way. The HCSH team going to be versus the LPD and the LFO. Oh, no, Lubbock Fire Department, not the LSO or the LFO or the ELO, the Electric Light Orchestra. Y'all don't know nothing about that. Anyway, March 9th, Saturday, May Simmons Dream Court, 2004 Oak Avenue, Lubbock, Texas. Uh, contact Ledette Butter, Butler. I'm sorry, Le, look like Ledette Butler. And uh, y'all can see the flyer down here. I didn't butcher that man's name. I apologize, bro. Uh, look down here. Don't worry about me saying it. It's spelled properly on the fly. You know what I'm saying? Sound like some fun. We, I think we're going to be there taking pictures. Y'all know we like to get them snaps. Know we got skills like that. Yeah, so that's what's going on, Lubbock. It's going to be a couple other things that, that I think that I had that I saw that I don't know off the top of my head. So just look down. It might be some stuff in the article down here that... Um, 
that I didn't mention here in the podcast. Anyway, now that we didn't talked about what's going on, I'll tell you what happened last time. We was kind of out and about. I guess it's out and about, if you want to call it that. So me and Cam was at the the uh, the Patterson Library. I think it was last weekend, and we did a. This is a perfect thing for Black History Month, but we did a an interview with one of the elders of the community. He's actually my dad's first cousin, so he is my second cousin. Now, I always thought he was my uncle growing up because he's so much older than me, a uh, man of respectable years, and be dropping some knowledge too. But anyway, we did this interview with this gentleman named Tommy Parker, and he's a rabbi and a reverend and a font of wisdom. You know what I'm saying? Has a lot of good things to say. And anyway, he's kind of a historian of the family. I guess it kind of runs in our genes. So according to his research, our family on my grandmother's side seems to be related to Quanta Parker. Now, if y'all don't know who Quanta Parker is, that's it. That's the Indian chief, the last chief of the Kiowa Comanches. Um, we are allegedly related to him. Now, I'm still looking at some of the documents that Uncle Tommy gave us, and I don't really have a firm opinion or understanding of or haven't formed any conclusion on that. I know when I took my Ancestry.com test and I didn't really want to take it, but hey, uh, you know, some things is private. I don't want to be giving out all my, my genetic information. But anyway, I took the test and uh, in that test, they said I only had like 0.02 or 0.3% Indian or something like that. But... My family swear we Indians on both sides, really. Now, from what I understand, it's like that throughout America. Everybody think they Indians and most people ain't, unfortunately. But we still making that determination as far as I'm concerned on my side. We have I got cousins that have two or three percent Indian in them. That's you know, that's more than chance. So uh, it might quite be and it, it might be possible that we are Indians anyway. We're sitting there talking with second cousin Tommy and he gave us some documents and I was going over these documents and in those documents one of which is a printed page that he made a copy of a out of a page of a book that he made and I'll tell him how long ago and in that book it talks about a story about how some settlers were living on Quanta Parker's land and they came across, they came under attack by a vicious beast. Now, the funny thing is, this was in a history book. You know what I'm saying? The funny thing is, though, is that very same story, my grandma told me that very self-same story. Very self-same story. She called it a Mexican scoby or a Mexican scoby. And that's not intended to be... Uh, disrespectful anything that's what that's what she called it a mexican scoby she said that there was a large carnivorous beast of some sort that they attacked a family's farm and scared the dogs and stuff like that she literally told me that story and they after she passed that story down to us she was a great storyteller and matter of fact she's the reason i started doing what we do here was recording the words of the elders because she had a bunch of stuff that we just wish we could have preserved not only her stories but she did a little history that history gene is kind of strong in my family anyway the cool part i'm getting to y'all is in cousin tommy's documentation that he had i was reading this page right here real close 
And that same story my grandma told me is in this history book. And this history book is called The Last Comanche Chief. Talking about Quanah Parker, my uh, potential relative. Um, and he is, this stuff is, let me just read this passage to you, man, because uh, so I, I didn't told you about the Mexican scoby or the Mexican scoby. Some dread beast out there eating up <clears throat> cows and horses and just, man, it would come around my grandma and them house. I thought it was my grandma. Come around my relative's house back in the days, my ancestors, and terrorize them. Now, listen to this story right here in The Last Comanche Chief. Check it out. This is according to Miss Lena Banks, who uh, may be related to us or is, we have relatives with the same name of Banks. Anyway, she was Quana's neighbor at that time. She said there was no house in which the family could live. Speaking about the Mays family. Mays family is, oh man, see, I'm taking, let me, let me take this in order because let me just, okay, let me back up and, and get deep into this story. So my grandmother said that we were Indians and her dad, his name was Henry Parker. She said that he was an Indian. And she said that he was uh, kind of, he was allegedly had a temper and he was murdered back in 1942. We have his death certificate here, right? His death certificate says his name was, uh, his name was Henry Parker. Now this is the interesting part. His dad's name was Jonah Parker. Now the question is whether this is Quanah Parker or Jonah Parker. It's hard to read and it's going to take some sleuthing. It's going to take some investigation. So his my great-grandpa, who was allegedly an Indian, his dad's name was Jonah or Quanta Parker, and his Jonah or Quanta Parker's wife, my great-grandpa's mama, was Dorothy Mays. That was her maiden name. So we get to this passage from this history book. Remember them names, Mays. The Mays family was actually staying on some of Quanta Parker's land. Quanta Parker, after he was an Indian chief, um, they went ahead and retired him to a reservation. They forced him onto a reservation, but he became a businessman, had a lot of land, a lot of cattle and stuff like that. So some workers, a family was on his land working and that family was uh, the Mays family, Dorcas Mays, who was married uh, to Jonah Parker or Quanta Parker, whatever that, whoever that, whatever this gentleman's name is. So my great grandma's mama's family settled near Quanta Parker on his land. And on that land, get this, there was no house in which the family, the Mays family, the, the Parker and Mays family, there was no house in which the family could live. So the wagon bed was set on the ground and used as a sort of storeroom and they improvised a little shack in which they slept and ate. They hewed out the timber on a long, thick piece, which looked like a piece of lumber, and they walled up the sides to about five feet in height and about 10 by 14. So in other words, they took they they wagon and made a little shack and storehouse out of it on Quanta Parker's land. That's how they was living in the middle of nowhere. And, but this is in Oklahoma now. Now get this. Oklahoma in the early days was full of wild animals and there were a great many panthers in the mountains. Also great herds of cattle and horses in the country. And in the evenings, the panthers would came down from the valley and they would kill a great many calves and colts. Uh, on a balmy spring evening, the mournful, constant lowing of the cattle interspersed 
with the screams of the Panthers was enough to instill fear into the bravest hearts. Now get this, the unfortunate Mays family, my grandma's mama is what we think. The unfortunate Mays family had unwittingly chosen for their makeshift home, an area frequented by the big cats. A wall had been built around the shack to ward off cattle and other animals, and they had two big old guard dogs guarding the family at all times. I'm paraphrasing now. But this story is word for word what my grandma told me about the Mexican scoby. And they got attacked, they house got attacked one night. Get this. So it say, nevertheless, one night after the family had retired, a panther struck. Both dogs began to bark, and just outside the wall, on the side where the baby was sleeping, they heard a clawing and a scratching noise. And the father and one of the boys grabbed their Winchesters, but they were afraid to venture outside because it was pitch dark. They didn't have no lantern. The dogs kept on barking and the baby had been moved away from the wall. And when they moved the baby away from the wall, the panther, the panther stopped scratching at the wall trying to get the baby. But since the baby was gone, the panther turned his attention to the dogs so it says he grabbed the panther, attacked one of the dogs and choked him and scratched him all up and killed him and drug him down to the river. It says, get this, uh, the other dog rushed, in, <coughs> rushed into the camp and in terror huddled up to the family, whimpering and crying. It says as soon as daylight came to the men, they went outside and searched the camp <coughs> and they found the, the, the paw prints of a huge panther. It says also the next day, Miss, Mr. Mays <coughs> broke camp and went to Quanta and told him, yo, pay us what you owe us for doing the work that we didn't did. And we got to go because we can't <coughs> we can't live around here with all these with all these animals. You know what I'm saying? Excuse me. Now, again, to me, this is amazing because that story right there is literally almost word for word what my grandma told me about a Mexican scoby. So that makes me wonder, are we, is her, her mom, my grandma's name is Dorothy Parker, is her mom really Dorothy Mays or Dorcas Mays? Because Grandma Dorothy's name is actually Dorcas too. Anyway, Grandma Dorothy is uh, her mom, Dorcas Mays. Is this the same maze that's had this panther attack happen to their family back in 1889 or something like that? Matter of fact, I'm not clear of the year. What does it say? Yeah, 1891. Back in 1891. Now that story, word for word, then traveled from the maze family down through to me, through my grandma. Now, people say, well, but your grandma probably knew the story. Well, she only had a I think a sixth grade education. She was smart and very capable. She was intelligent, but she wasn't educated, highly educated. You know what I'm saying? So what I'm saying is she could read, but I don't think she would be reading a history book to get this information from it. And she told me this back in 1982, 83, that they family was attacked by a Mexican scoby. And years later, I didn't know what a Mexican scoby was, and she didn't either. It was just a strange beast, and it wasn't from where they were. They thought it must have came from, from down from Mexico somewhere. So that's why they called it a Mexican scoby. So here it is, man. A <laughs> hundred and something years later, this same story out of this history book from 1891 that got all the way to 1991 on up to about, what is that, 130-something years? How does my grandma tell me? The same story. I'm a little boy. We sitting on the on the porch in Bryan, Texas at night when the sun going down 
out in the woods and the green and the pretty and the and the humidity and the the fireflies sashaying by. She telling me these tales. I'm sitting there. She she rocking in her rocking chair, and she telling me this story about this panther that attacked her family. And I thought she was saying it attacked her when she was a kid, her family when she was a kid. But in reality, it looks like I guess through the mist of memory, I didn't mess it up. What she might have apparently was saying it attacked mama them house or grandma them house which wasn't even a house it was a wagon upside down in the middle of nowhere in the wilderness at oklahoma on quanta parker's land getting attacked and besieged by panthers wow see this right here is why <laughs> it's why we do words from the elders this is why we record history this is what talking about black history to me this is what black history is about so you can look at this story two ways you can look at this story and be like, wait, man, see how the, the white man had us down and we was living in a wagon on the plains, getting attacked. OK, OK. If you look at it that way, that's that is part of it. There, the times was hard and a lot of it was because of racial animosity. But I don't look at it like that. To me, when you study history, the point is not to get mad about what used to be. The point is to look at how your ancestors overcame what used to be. Because you're going to encounter the same problems today in different ways, in different fashions, different formats. You shouldn't be overwhelmed, though. You should, you, you should never be overwhelmed because your ancestors have already overcome all this stuff. And all you got to do is look at their example. Figure out what grandma used to do. What did grandpa used to say? Why did he say that? What did your great uncle them? Great uncle so-and-so used to do so-and-so. Why did he do that? Where he from? This is the curiosity that we, we need to have as a people, I feel. It's the way you look at history and how you use it that counts, though. See, if you're looking at that story and getting mad because times was hard and we was po black and blah, blah, blah. Well, guess what? If you letting that anger and that bitterness seep into you, all you doing is putting a steering wheel on your emotions. Like my brother Cam would say, that's a dope. I, I'm looking like he right here. I forget. He at work. I'm still looking for him. When you if you got a steering wheel on your emotions, that allows people in power above you. To steer you and bend you to their bidding. In other words, it means you still being driven like a work animal, like a like a farm animal, like a slave. Hmm. Yeah, that hurt. That kind of hurt to say it like that, don't it? But you, if you are if you are a slave to your emotions, you you are just that. You're giving other people the handles they need on you to bend you to their will. So I, that's why I don't look at history like that. I don't look at history and get mad. I look at history and say, man, my family came from. Cats that was pioneering out in the middle of nowhere with some Winchester rifles that was so hard they was living under their wagon and fought off some panthers. Or maybe not fought them all. They might have ducked under their wagon, scared of some panthers. But hey, they still overcame. They didn't get eight. They made it, didn't they? That's what that's why I study black history. That's why I study history in general. I'm a history major. I'm a trained historian. You know what I'm saying? I realize that there's other ways to do history than writing books with you know oral histories for example that's why we do it but man love it all depends on what you focus on where's your focus lbk you can focus on the racial things that happened in the path and past and let them make you mad and let them make you surly and angry but all that does is let make you easily control or you can look at that same story and find how brave and bold and beautiful your ancestors was. You know what I'm saying? Your forefathers. Now, and guess what? We all Americans, man. All our forefathers 
kind of they stories intermingle. They 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 weave in and out. You know what I'm saying? You can't separate the founding fathers from my fathers, your fathers, our fathers. It's all one big thing. You need to understand the the broader ramifications of it. When people start cherry picking and twisting, that means they're trying to control you. That's that that's that simple. Mm, mm, mm. Well, LBK, uh, we look forward to seeing y'all at this Kwanzaa celebration and this Black Business Expo coming up next Friday. We're getting ready to close. That was my little spiel for today. It's all about black history. And check it out, man. We got some, some black history events coming up at uh, Patterson Library on the 24th of February. Uh, the city of Lubbock is going to be putting out some black history films that I did with several members from the, the community, illustrious members from the community. You want to see a roundtable discussion, man. Y'all got to peep that out. That's going to be dope. They're going to be one a week, one little one little short film a week from the city of Lubbock. And then uh, a larger release, too. That's going to be about 30, about, about 45 minutes long roundtable discussion. Peep that out. It's going to be at mylubbock.us, but I'll put links down below, too. Anyway, we're so appropriate. We're going into Black History Month. It's starting. What is the study of history? Well, the study, the study of history is wasted. If all you learn from it is that you're angry and upset about something that happened. Also, it's wasted if you don't look at the obvious lessons and stop repeating them. To me, the study of history is about looking back, taking the best, looking at how our ancestors overcame and how they made a way and kind of internalizing that strength, that power, that resilience, that intelligence, that divine creativity and overcoming, man. You know what I'm saying? That's what it's about to me. So anyway, happy Black History Month coming up. Make sure you get out to uh, Cavell's Pharmacy, the Roots African-American History Museum on Friday night for First Friday Art Trail. Joy Harris going to be there starting at 6 o'clock. I'll probably be over that mug taking pictures. Y'all know how I do. Anyway, we're going to bid y'all adieu and say peace. 